caution. The contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Now, as you hopefully know, in our last episode, we explored the wonderful world of the wonderful euphonium. And along the way, we learned that Adolf Sachs quite possibly had a hand in creating that instrument. Of course, as you can tell by the name, Sachs obviously is the inventor of the saxophone. And we figured since we brought him up, we might as well learn a little bit more about him. So join us as we take a look into this mysterious music man. Adolf Sachs was born in Dinant, Belgium in 1814. His father was a carpenter turned instrument maker and was actually employed by the Belgian royal family to procure and make top quality instruments for them and the military bands. As a child, Sachs spent a lot of time tinkering in his father's workshop, but we'll get to that in a bit. It's very important to know that the invention of the saxophone by Sachs is one of the most unexpected things to have happened in history because Sachs himself wasn't expected to live to adulthood. But not that he had any sort of terminal disease. Unless being accident-prone is a diagnosis. Ah, however, in some cases, Sachs wasn't just accident-prone. He was very unlucky. For example, when he was a very young child, he ungracefully descended his home's three-story staircase by tripping and falling all the way down. When his parents found him, he was an unconscious little ball at the bottom of the stairs. That's a way to describe a kid. <laughs> an unconscious little ball? Yeah, perfect. Uh, he wasn't expected to survive, but a few weeks later, he was up and about once again as though nothing had happened. Also, as a young child, Sax had a propensity to put everything in his mouth as a way of exploring the world. In one such exploration... He was gnawing on a sewing needle that he subsequently swallowed. Uh. Doctors were able to retrieve the needle with no harm done to the inside of the poor boy, although reports are unclear as to how the needle actually came out of him. Hmm. <laughs> so right about now you're saying, sure, those were some unlucky things, but he survived. It's all as well. Well, not quite. You see... Poor little Sachs continued to be prone to mishap in two separate, different, separate, once again, occasions. <laughs> he fell onto a hot stove top and he also fell into a fire. In both of these, again, separate incidents, he came away mostly unscathed with just a few burn scars that healed without complication. Twice. Twice. Separately. Yes. I want to emphasize that most kids <laughs> fall into hot stuff once <laughs> and then this is completely out of sax's control he was walking through town one day and a brick fell from a cobblestone roof a few stories off the ground it dislodged and it plummeted to the ground smacking poor sax in the face on its way down and sax was again knocked unconscious and wasn't expected to survive yet he still recovered uneventfully 
So that's it, right, Allison? How many near-death experiences can one boy have? Uh, the answer is enough to get him the nickname of The Ghost by his neighbors. <laughs> so yes, his misfortune did continue. Once he was tinkering in his father's workshop and he drank something that he thought was milk. It was, in fact, get this, not milk. <laughs> It was actually a chemical mixture that contained sulfuric acid. So, Sax's father rushed him to the doctor, and though the treatment was not detailed, apparently Sax also survived his accidental poisoning. <laughs> now, he had another workshop mishap as well, although this seems to be more his own fault. He was using furniture varnish in a closed, unventilated room, and, surprise, surprise, <laughs> knocked himself out with the fumes which is potentially the most benign thing that has happened to him. <laughs> and you think we're done killing Sax yet? Wrong. There is one final <laughs> blow that came in the form of an actual explosion. So again, Sax was down near the workshop, and then a barrel of something combustible caught fire, and Sax was struck directly with the blast. Apparently his clothes were torn to bits, and he was a little worse for wear, but still kicking. Sax is an actual real-life Looney Tunes character with everything that happened to him. <laughs> this poor boy. Which is, which is potentially relevant because it has been said that perhaps God wanted saxophone solos, which is why little Sax's life was spared repeatedly. But then again, the saxophone has occasionally been called the devil's horn. So perhaps God didn't want saxophone solos and Sax was... Saved by someone else. Hmm, an entirely different entity. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to the music. While Sax wasn't getting into accidents, he was honing his instrument crafting skills. He himself had learned to play the flute and clarinet, but he saw room for improvement. He tinkered and crafted and improved upon the placement of tone holes and keys on the clarinet, making significant improvements to the instrument. And also, apparently just to prove that he could, crafted a set of flutes and a clarinet entirely carved out of ivory. During his young adult years, Sax was a frequent competitor at the yearly Belgian exhibition, sort of like a mini World's Fair. He presented several new and improved instruments in the invention category, and the judges were blown away by his ingenuity. Get it? Blown away. <laughs> in 1840, when Sax was 26, he presented nine new instruments at the exhibition. Through his craftsmanship, the judges recommended that he receive the first place prize. However, in a cruel turn of fate, the grand jury who actually finalized the voting decided that he was to get the silver medal instead. And their reasoning? Well, he was still quite young, and if he got the gold this year, he would have nothing to improve upon the next year. Wow. Sax actually refused this silver medal, stating, quote, If I'm too young for the gold, I am too old for the silver. Mm-hmm. Standing yes, up for himself. stick it to him, Sax, young Adolf. <laughs> so it seems things like this were always happening to Sax in the competitive fields. In the following year at the fair, in 1841, Sax actually brought the saxophone to the exhibition. But a spiteful competitor apparently sabotaged Sax by kicking the instrument to the ground when no one was watching, and unfortunately, Sax was unable to repair it in time for judging. 
that man subsequently went on to be all middle school band directors. What? Every middle school band director I've talked to does not like the saxophone in their middle school band. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've heard that too. And their reasoning? We have to learn other instruments first. Yes. <laughs> you have to learn the clarinet first. I That's why I started on the clarinet, was so Same. that I could ultimately switch to saxophone. And then somehow I just kind of forgot about doing that along the way. <laughs> clarinet with its sweet tone. That's really where it's at. That was improved by Adolf Sax. Yes. See, Just we're still helping with the saxes here. Exactly. It, it all comes full circle. It all comes full saxel. Um. That's nothing. <laughs> um, anyways, back to the fair. Fortunately, Adolf Sax had brought other instruments to the show, and this time the jury gave him the same song and dance about gold versus silver. So Sax decided he'd have enough of these small town games and left for Paris. But before we head to Paris with sax, let's ask what made the saxophone so deserving of its should-be-gold in the first place? Well, it was the perfect combination of woodwinds, brass, and string sections. Huh? Strings? Strings? <laughs> yes, actually. So, obviously, we have the power of the brass section that was brought out in the material of the instrument, and the smoothness and flexibility of the woodwinds thanks to the reed and key system. The strings come in with the idea that sax would make several versions of the saxophones, from the bass all the way up to the sopranino, that would span the entire range of clefs, much like the string family, from the basses to the violins. So, very useful instrument. Truly genius. Should have been gold at the, at the fair. Should have been gold, yep. The problem is that he'd used up all the gold plating his saxophones. <laughs> I think they're brass, but okay. Oh, oh, some of them are gold plated. Quite a few ostentatious players. Anyways. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to sax. Prior to his move to Paris, he'd actually visited Paris several times to start getting recognition for his instruments. In one such trip, he had ingratiated himself to a clarinet player, Isaac da Costa. Sax had showed da Costa his new improvements on the bass clarinet, and da Costa immediately loved the new instrument and adopted the design. Da Costa happened to be a prominent musician in the Parisian music circles, so when Sax moved there a few years later, he already had an in to meet the most important people about town. And one particularly important and lucky connection he made was that of Hector Berlioz. Quite soon after meeting, Berlioz published a review of Sax's new saxophone. He praised it for its range, its ability to boom forward out of the texture or date crescendo down to barely a whisper, and to provide a lovely, smooth, and longing sort of sound. A shining review that was perfect to start the upward trajectory for Adolf Sax. Though Sachs had arrived in Paris with only 30 francs to his name, he soon made some money and got some patrons that allowed him to open up his own instrument factory in the city. One of Sachs's biggest breaks came from an ingenious idea that he'd planned. After the French Revolution, the government was seeking to expand the grandeur of their military bands, and Sachs proposed an idea to add saxophones to the band ensemble. Apparently, to prove that saxophones would actually improve the band, 
1845, a sort of Battle of the Bands was held. Two military bands were going to perform the same military marches written by the French composer Adolphe Adam, but one band would have the traditional instrumentation and the other would have the addition of saxophones. Overwhelmingly, the band with the saxes came out on top, so Adolf Sax received an exclusive contract to provide such instrument to the military bands. But it wasn't all smooth sailing for Sax. Soon after he was making a mark for himself in Paris, a certain society was created, the United Association of Instrument Makers. However, Sax was not invited. He could not sit with them at lunch. <laughs> In fact, this association could really have been named the Anti-Sax Club, as they sought to destroy Sax and all he created. First, they tried to have his patents denied or revoked. They went through exceedingly crafty measures. In one instance, they actually purchased instruments from Sax's own factory, sent them off to a manufacturer in Germany to have the company seal removed and the German seal applied, and then sent back to Paris in an attempt to claim that Sax had actually copied this design from the Germans and thus nullify his patent. However, this scheme was discovered and so the association had to try new tactics. Now, Sax was actually willing to play their little games. He generously withdrew his patent request and gave them a year to produce a quality saxophone that would hold its own against his own. Well, within that year, apparently they failed, so Sax submitted his patent proposal again, and this time it was granted without debate. However, mysterious things still happened to Sax, and he again had to escape death. Once, part of his factory mysteriously caught fire, likely an arson plan from the association. And another time, Sax's assistant was actually shot at, and sources are unclear if this poor man actually survived. But apparently, the bullet was meant for Sax in a botched assassination attempt. This is like a mob crime drama, <laughs> but it's a saxophone. It's really cool instrument, Asa. Yeah, but like, so is every other instrument. <laughs> what were they? What were they trying to get? Did they think that the saxophone would make all other instruments obsolete? I mean, he was incorporating everything—the brass, the woodwinds, the strings, as we said. Weren't you paying attention? Yeah, I was. But then, <laughs> see, the problem is the clarinet's already the best instrument. So, okay, true. Uh, so, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that is a debate for another time. Exactly. <laughs> now, in a twist unrelated to the association, Sachs developed a large facial tumor on his lip. He sought treatment from an Indian herbal doctor who provided him with some sort of tincture, and miraculously, the growth shrunk and vanished, never to bother Sachs again. And so, sax lived on and continued to roll with the punches. Thanks to the popularity of the saxophone within the military band, the Paris Conservatory actually hired sax to be the saxophone professor in order to teach the students how to play this brand new shiny instrument. And he even wrote and published pedagogical books about the instrument. Following the Franco-Prussian War, however, sax was let go for the conservatory. And this is when his life's luck began to run out. Unfortunately, he had never been too good with finances, 
and actually had already declared bankruptcy three times. He was only kept off the streets due to the benevolence of the French government to continue to provide him with a small yearly stipend. Sachs apparently died from pneumonia in 1894 at the age of 80. At the end of his life, he was saddened that the saxophone, though well-established as a key instrument in the band, had not gained popularity within the orchestra. He feared that his beloved instrument would fade into oblivion, but if only he had lived a few more decades to see the incredible rise of the saxophone into the American jazz scene. I'm sure he would have been happy to know that his instrument found its special niche and isn't going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> what an amazing life. I know. Such he... a lucky, such a lucky man. <laughs> He's almost like a cat with nine lives. Great. Yes. <laughs> no follow-up. I, I would agree. No, I have no follow-up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the saxophone, though, we aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, be sure to listen to our previous episode on the euphonium if you haven't already, and tune in two weeks from now when we come to you with something new and exciting. Something completely different. That's exactly. probably a lie. It'll probably be I... another piece of music. I don't know. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we do. We talk about music and instruments and composers and music. Yeah. <laughs> and if you like the way that we talk about instruments and composers and music and music. They might not like it after this. They might not like it after this, but if somehow you still do, please share us with a friend, family member, a like-minded colleague that would also enjoy this show. Um, and do drop us reviews, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You know the drill. You know, I would particularly like to to push the Spotify rating. It's not a review, it's a rating. All you have to do is go and hit Five stars. It's really easy. Go five do that. Five of those stars. We would very much appreciate a five-star rating on Spotify. And until next time, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Second Suite for Military Band by Gustav Holst was performed by the Air Combat Command Heritage of America Band. You can find the Coffeehouse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.